Good morning. How are you all doing this morning? Good? Are you ready to hear the word this morning? I don't hear an amen out there. Well, it is good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? And God is good. All the time he is. You know, it's been an amazing journey, hasn't it? Some of you are asking, are we still in Jonah? Yes, we are. You know, we journeyed. And I just want to walk through this journey with you this morning. I, if you are visiting us this morning, we have, been go, we have been going through the book of Jonah, an Old Testament. And by the time today ends, you can say to yourself, I've done and completed a book. Isn't that amazing? Give yourself, well, we're not going to clap yet because we're not done yet. But guess what? We started out four weeks ago. Four weeks ago. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? But it was a day when we heard about a man named Jonah, a son of Amittai, where he received a call from God. A call that says, in the scripture says, go to the city, the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it, against the wickedness of the Ninevites. That was then, and then from that call, we hear Jonah and says, uh, 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 uh. I am going to go and step, not that direction, I'm going to go the other direction, far, far away as I can, to Nin- away from Nineveh. And we see him not walking, but he takes, he goes on a boat. And on that boat he goes, he thinks he can run away, but guess what, we can't run away from God, can we? We can't, and God, the, that's the greatest thing about our God. Is that our God never leaves us or quits on us. He never did on Jonah because you see, he still had a call for Jonah. And that was just specifically for Jonah. And so God sends a storm, a big storm. And then in only way to get rid of that storm is for Jonah to be thrown overboard. Thrown overboard. And that's what happened. He was thrown overboard and a big great fish came. And that's how God is. He provides for us, doesn't he? And saves Jonah. And the next journey we went on, on chapter 2, Jonah is found in the belly of a big fish. Ew. A place that we all don't want to be. But Jonah was found in there and he is there, guess what? Taking a time out. Because he needed to take a time out and speak to God and pray to God of what he's done of what has God done for him. And then the next chapter goes, he's there for three days and three nights. He goes on to the next chapter, and guess what? He gets vomited by the big fish. Vomited out to land. Can you imagine the smells, the stench, and the body of all the acid inside the belly of the fish? Something we probably don't want to see, but somehow God still had a plan for him. Talk about second chances, isn't it? How God gives us second chances so that he can fulfill the calling on Jonah's life. And that is to go to Nineveh, to the great city, and preach the gospel. And church, talk about preaching. His sermon was the shortest sermon ever spoken. Eight eight words. Forty more days, then the Ninevites will be overturned. And guess what? It was so powerful that the whole city had a revival. The whole city had a revival. And that's where we leave off. And I wish today that when we think about Jonah chapter 4, the final chapter, we should have left it there. 
We should have left it on chapter 3. Because you see, the revival caused from the king to the commoners a great, awesome revival where they turned and repented from left to right. Repented to the God, the King of Kings. But for us today, there has to be a chapter 4. And that's where we're going to cover and find out where Jonah is. Where is he with all of the celebrations of God's blessing upon Nineveh? But before we go on and find out where he is at this moment, let me ask you this, church. Have you ever witnessed a child, maybe someone else's child or your own child, throwing a temper tantrum? I want to bring you back to those moments. Maybe it was this morning when you got up. You know, he or she may, may pound on the floor with their, their fists and hands and feet. Can you just imagine that? And I was going to do it, but it would not be properly appropriate this morning. And they lie on the floor and they start to scream at the top of their lungs. And they may throw things and sling their arms here and about. Or they may, listen to this, do all of those. Do all of those. And many of you know what I'm talking about. But in all of this... The child has a purpose that why they're doing all of this. He or she is demanding that they get their own way. To get their own way. And well, church, we see this morning, Jonah today in chapter 4, he is throwing a tantrum with God. That's where we find Jonah this morning, an adult-sized tantrum. That's what I call it. And I think for many of us, that's what we go through, don't we? Some of you need to admit that you do an adult-sized tantrum, have you? Yeah. All right, I'm not the only one, right? Okay, I'm not the only one. And Jonah became extremely angry when, when God spared Nineveh, when God saved Nineveh, and they repented. And for Jonah, that's not what he wanted to see, and that's not what he wanted to hear about Nineveh. So he pouts. Can I see a pouting face? Come on, we're all good at it. He pouts. And he, and he had this bad attitude about it. And we even read it in verse 1 of chapter 4, and it says, But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He became angry. And the word translated angry means, listen, church, to burn. To burn. And Jonah was literally, literally fuming. Think of someone like fuming on fire. But this was on fire of being angry. He was not happy with God. So, and the, the neat thing about Jonah here, because he was not happy with God, instead of running away, he goes to God and prays to God. And that's a good way for us when, we're not, when things are we're struggling, we need to turn to God. And some of things were just not going on well with him, so he goes and does this talk with God. And he goes in verse 2, he says, Lord, isn't this exactly what I thought would happen when I was still at home in Joppa? This is what I tried to prevent by running away to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious. I knew that you are tender, kind, loving, and, and slow to anger. You are full of love and compassion, and you are a God who takes concern and pity on people. You don't want to destroy them. 
So he talks to God, and church, this is the real reason now. Listen to him. This is the reason, the real reason why he ran away in chapter 1. He ran away because he did not want the Ninevites to be saved. He did not like them at all. You see, he wanted his way, and his way for them not to be saved. And when he did not get his way, like a spoiled brat, he pouted. He pouted. And Jonah became so depressed, church, and miserable over the whole result of the Ninevites that the only solutions that Jonah could do and deal with is this. Listen in verse 3. If you have your Bibles with you, he says, Lord, take away my life. Take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. You know what? That reminds me of an angry child who holds his breath until it turning blue in an effort to get his way. And Jonah is pretty much saying to God, in effect, I don't want to live if, you don't, if I don't get my way. And that's what, what Jonah was kind of saying. And church, it is the same. It's true for many of us in the room. And all the believers today that we can have the same attitude as Jonah. I don't want to do it if I don't get my way. It's my way or what? The highway. It's my way or the highway. And too many have lost their joys because their focus was more on themselves and their selfish desires than on the Lord and his purposes. You see, too many of us, church, as believers, are saying, give me what I want. Give me what I deserve. Give me what I am entitled to. Rather than asking this question, what does God want? What does God want from me? And, for, and God responds to Jonah, and we need to, to, list, to hear this out. God responds to Jonah with his saying, I would rather die, take my life. He says, is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? Is it right for you to be angry? And church this morning, so what would you say to Jonah? What would you say to that answer? And it is right, we would say if we make a call, an easy call, you would say, won't you? No. It is not right for you to be angry, Jonah. Wouldn't you tell Jonah that? It is not right for you because you see, you are so foolish to be angry, Jonah. Who are you to get angry at God who showed love and mercy and forgiveness towards the people in Nineveh. And what has God, God shown toward you, Jonah? And we know what God has done to Jonah, hasn't, don't we? Mercy and love and gave second chances to him. And so for us this morning, you would say to Jonah, and now Jonah, God spared your lives and those people. And what? And you're mad? You're mad? What is wrong with you, Jonah? But Jonah doesn't even answer God's question. He's kind of like, talk to the hand kind of thing. He goes and ignores God's question, and he goes, and this is what he does in verse 5. Jonah had left the city. He leaves the city and sits at a place east of the city, and there he, make, he makes himself a shelter and sits in it, 
because there's such a nice shade. And there he waits and see what would happen to the city. So we see Jonah, he splits and walks away. With God talking to him, he splits and goes away. And there he sits and just maybe, church, just maybe, they ha- he's thinking to his mind, maybe Nineveh hasn't really repented completely. Maybe God will still judge them. And so he sits in that si- outside the city and it's kind of like watching your television. You're watching something and you're like, okay, anytime now, it's going to come. Come on, God, it's, it could still happen. But you know it did not happen. And so for Jonah, he was angry with God. And yet, how does God respond to him? Instead of being angry with him, God sends him a blessing. And church, that's the kind of God whom we serve. God responded to him by allowing a plant, think of this, a plant to grow over him to provide comfort and shade. It was a very, very hot day. But then overnight, listen, church, to this, that the plant disappears because you see God provides a worm to to eat the plant and it weathers away and the next morning it's all dried up. And of course, for it, for Jonah, it was not a good thing to see something disappear. Something he loved and he was happy about. That really got him really, really, really angry. You thought he was angry then? Now he's twice as angry as he is now. Jonah was angry at the worm this time. He was angry at the worm that caused the plant, the vine to wither and also takes his shade off, his comfort. And then again, Jonah pouts. He pouts again. He's such a powder. He pouts and says, it would be better for me to die than to live. He says it again. And in verse 9, God again asked him the same question. And I'm hoping he listens this time. He says, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And yes, Jonah did answer this time. And he says, it is. I have the right to be angry about the plant. In fact, I'm so angry I wish I were dead. That's what Jonah says. We have to be careful what we wish for, don't we? But our God is not that kind of God. He is having another pity party. Selfishly, Jonah thinks he does have that right. Just as many of us, church, when we think God is playing unfairly with our lives. How many of us have said, this is not fair? And we protest. We've, we fail to see the bigger picture of what God's desire is for us. And church, here this morning, we have an angry and a selfish believer, a selfish prophet, selfish Jonah, selfish again and again, just like us many times. I may be hitting for many of us. You know what? It is a lesson this morning. It is a lesson. Things get difficult, and guess what? We want to give up. Things are difficult. We want to die. Feel like we want to give it all up. Death is better than life, isn't it, at times? I don't know how would you say it or how you do it, but we do know what that's like. Life is too hard. This is too much. And what do you do? Throw in the towel. I give up. I surrender. Take it all. Far too often, church, we think it's unfair when life does not go our way the way we desire it. Perhaps God is trying, listen to this, to plant a vine 
in your life today to help you to stay away from your pity concerns and get back to where God desires your hearts to be in the first place, and that is with God. Jesus asked us, isn't life more important? Isn't? Again, a pity party for Jonah. Only thinking about himself, it's all about Jonah. It's all about him. And like Jonah Church, we are so wrapped up in our selfish and petty concerns that we no longer share God's burden for the lost. That's the sad part. A dying world that we see day by day, hours and minutes. And church, listen to this. Pettiness has no room. Has no room in the heart of one of God's people. Pettiness has no room in our lives. No room. And this morning, as we continue, and I thank you for bearing with me, there's one thing I want you to know about chapter 4 this morning. And this is it. It is not about me. It is about God. It is not about me. It is about God. So will you please turn to someone next to you and and tell it to each other? It's not about me. It's about God. Oh, I can't hear you. I don't know. You're all out there. What is it? Thank you for letting everyone know that it's not about you. It's not about me. Because church, it is about our God. Can I hear an amen? It is about our God who is a sovereign creator. A sovereign creator. You see, throughout the entire book of Jonah, The entire book of Jonah, we are continually reminded that the Lord is in control of all Jonah's circumstances. It is God who sends the wind, excites the storm, calms the sea, prepares the fish, grows the plant, sends the worm, and then whips up another wind in Jonah's life. And the Lord has control of all things. And when I think about a plant, plants don't grow six or seven feet in one day. Or overnight. I don't know if any plant does that. Do you know? Please let me know. Because you see, for someone to do that, that has to be God. It's a miracle. And that tells us that God is sovereign. Sovereign. It's his sovereignty. It's not about you and me, church. It's about God. God who is in control of things and rules over all things. And the psalmist tells us that the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. So church, let us carefully consider the circumstance that you or we have faced. Because you see, how can we see God in it instead of ourselves? Whatever circumstances you're, you're dealing with right now in your life, we need to stop and think to see what God, what God is in it. Is God in any of your circumstances instead of thinking about ourselves? How often we think of us in our circumstances. But what is God teaching you? You see, God desires an intimate relationship with you and with me. Even if it takes a storm, a big fish, a plant, a worm, a hot sun, or the wind. 
It's not about us. It is about who God who is sovereign. Not just sovereign. He's a sovereign creator. creator. And secondly, this morning, it is not about us, church. It is about our God who provides. Have you been provided lately? Everyone should be saying amen because God provides. The Lord could have let Jonah drown in that ocean. He provided a big fish. Jonah could have been left to die in that hot sun outside the city, but he provided a plant for Jonah. And one of the greatest names of our Lord Jesus Christ is this. One of his names is Jehovah Jireh. Can you say that? Jehovah Jireh. And it means the Lord our provider. And the Lord will provide. It is so wonderful to know that God is a source for everything that we need. A source of everything that you need and a source for, that he cares about in everything that we care about. Church, there is no, no need so small that he doesn't know about. There is no, nothing too big that he can't provide for us. You know, there are times that I get so frustrated about why am I going through these circumstances in my life. And, and then I would ask God, there are many times I would say, why don't you just take it away, God? I don't like this. I don't want it. I give up. And that believing is something, taking it out would be the best thing. But you know what? God has been teaching me lately about the need to be patient. The need to be patient. Then I learned that God sent that circumstances for a reason. And that is to produce patience in me. And whatever you're going through right now, church, James tells us to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I think about many of our students in the room. Many of you have to go back to school this week. And parents may be happy about that and thrilled and excited. Talk about challenges and circumstances. It's coming. No doubt about it. But do know that we have a God who provides for us. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Who keeps his promise and will supply all our needs. And I am satisfied that he knows my need and he keeps his promises. And Jonah only thought of himself and not about what God was teaching him. And before we can experience God as a provider church, we must be willing to obey him fully. We really do. We do. Maybe you've never experienced God's provision. And if you want God to provide for you, here it is that we need to be prepared because he will provide for you. You see, the only thing we need to do when we actually surrender and want to experience God's provision, we need to fully trust him. Let me tell you of a story I heard about a house that was on fire. A little girl was trapped on the, the upstairs uh, bedroom. And as she leaned in the window, out the window, her father was right down on the ground floor and said to, to his daughter, jump, I'll catch you. And the little girl was so afraid and so terrified, but said, daddy, but I can't see you. And the father shouted, it's okay, honey, it's okay, I can see you from where I'm at. So she jumped safely, not because she could see her father, but because she trusted the voice of her father who told her to jump. And she was willing to let go, and letting go was just an ultimate 
That's when she actually felt the provision of her father. And church, for us, we can certainly pout, complain, and groan all we can about our life. But we need to know that God is going to be there. And no matter what we do, he is going to provide for our needs. Because Philippians says, and my God, our God will supply every need that is ours, that is yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. It's not about us. It's about God. And I want to draw our attention to our last point this morning. It is about our God who is compassionate and merciful. It's not about us. It is about our God who is compassionate and merciful. People are important to God. We are important to God. And he is a God of compassion and mercy. And mercy. And it says in Psalm, the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, but filled with unfailing love. Don't you love that? Unfailing love. See, compassion looks beyond our needs, church, and seeks God's heart. And God noted that Jonah had cared more about that plant than the people in Nineveh. Jonah had done nothing about this plant, but somehow he loved that plant and never cared. Plant or people, that was it for Jonah. No concern about the people, the men, women, and children in Nineveh. But church, we need to know that Jonah's concern was more on his physical condition than the spiritual condition of the people in Nineveh. And if we look closely at our lives this morning, church, we would have to conclude that it is often the same case with us this morning. That we say to God, we love you, God. I love you, Jesus. I honor you. And yet, those around us are dying. Those are people we love, don't know Jesus, and we need to let them know that there is a one person who is their friend, who loves them no matter what. And so, at the end of this chapter, Jonah was asked a piercing question, which I asked you this morning. God says, should I not be concerned about that great city? And God certainly is a God of compassion. He will always care. How about us? Will you care for someone in your, in your neighborhood? Will you care for someone who is not, doesn't know God in your life right now? Because you see, Second Peter tells us that we see that God is compassionate and not wanting anyone to perish. It is God, but his goal is for us to know him, for all to know him. God is compassionate. Jonah wasn't. Are you compassionate? As God is, we need to be compassionate to those around us and show mercy. How about us this morning? As we draw our sermon to a close this morning, should we care for people who don't know God? Yes, we should. We should. There were people in that city of Nineveh Mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, aunts and uncles, friends, co-workers, you name it. Soldiers, politicians, king, of, uh, storekeepers, homeless, the drunks. They were there and one day, that day, didn't know that they woke up. Didn't know that they were going to wake up and hear the word of God and change their whole life. 
And you know, when we get up in the morning, God has provided us people. You get up. He provides you people at work, in your neighborhood, at school, even in a grocery store, even a gas station. God has given them. And will you wake up that day as well and share and deliver the word of God? Church, we must not be like Jonah. We can't be self-centered and be concerned just about ourselves. It's good to think about ourselves, but not too much. You see, we can't expect to receive grace from God, but then refuse to share it with others. Our lives are not about us, church. It isn't about our comfort. It isn't about what we want to do. We exist, church, to worship and spread the worship of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And we exist to share the good news of Jesus, not to ourselves in here, certainly, but it's to those who are outside these four walls. And however so many of us live a life that is so self-consumed, we think, what is in it for me? What can I get out of it? Church, we must turn away from our self-centeredness and lay down our lives for His kingdom. And that's the key. It's not about us, church. It's about God. And this morning, my call to action is this. Just a couple of things I'm going to call you to respond to. I'm not going to leave you here thinking, yeah, that was a great sermon, good book, Jonah. But really, what is it for you? I pray that it's not about you. It's really about God. But this morning, if you are having some pity party right now, feeling sorry about yourself, can I just tell you, just stop it. Because God doesn't want us. God wants us to turn our self-pity party to Him. And maybe this morning as the worship team sings, deal with that self-pity party that you're having with. Turn to Him and say, I'm really struggling and I get negative, I get really negative about things and maybe this is this morning your time to deal with it. You get angry. Ooh, deal with that issue, please. Jonah was angry. We don't want to be like Jonah. And maybe this morning, church, there's some of us here, many of us have been enjoying God's presence, and it's really all about Him, isn't it? And so this morning, I want you to express your thanks and gratitude because He provides His sovereign and He is compassionate. Thank Him. Praise Him. Give Him the glory. And this is your opportunity. Maybe you've been too busy just to thank Him. Use this opportunity to pray and say, I thank you, to stand up. Do what it takes to do something about what God has spoken to you this morning. It's not about you. Will you say it? It's not about me. And who is it for? It's really about, it's really about God. Listen to the song. It talks about his amazing grace. And how he puts broken pieces into one. And respond to him this morning. Father God, this morning, the whole book of Jonah is really about your amazing grace. From the first chapter to the fourth chapter and beyond, we thank you, Lord, for your compassionate and merciful and your grace. And Father, this morning, we come to you, Lord, with many things in our lives that makes us to be to pout, to, to give, to show tantrum to you in our walk with you, Lord. 
And Father, this morning we ask for your forgiveness in those times that we have done so. The feeling sorry for me, I could just die, but Lord, you don't want us that, Lord. You've encouraged us and you've encouraged us this morning that it's really not about us and what we're going through. It's really about about you and what you're making us to be. And so, Father, this morning, we just want to thank you because you are an amazing God with an amazing grace who is so sovereign, who cares about us, who provides for us, and certainly you love us with an everlasting love. And, Father, we stand, we sit in whatever posture that we're in, Lord, we want to give you all the praise and all the honor and the glory, knowing that whatever we're going through, whatever it may be right now, that we can always trust you, trust in you, and allow you, Lord, for us so that we can grow closer to you. Be with us this week. Help us to be reminded that whatever comes our way, it's not about us. It is about you who love us and care about us. So thank you, Lord. We give you praise. I just love you so much. In Jesus' mighty, mighty, precious name. And everyone says in the house, amen, amen. You may be seated. And now you can give yourself a big hand of applause because we completed the book of Jonah. What an amazing book. It is a book that I I challenge you to keep reading that when you remind you of what God has called you to do and how you respond to that calling and see what happens because God will do an amazing thing. God bless you.